thank him because even when I'm going through a rough trial, I know God has a word to get me out. You know God has a way to deliver you out of every circumstance and situation that comes your way. Somebody should testify to the fact that God got you out, amen, time and time again. Hallelujah. And we give God glory for that. You're now in tune to the Heaven Bound broadcast with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia. Now prepare to be empowered and equipped with the rich word of God. In Luke chapter 19, verse 37 and verse 38, it reads as follows. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Based on that, I want to talk to you from this topic, determined to praise him. Determined to praise him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we're so grateful for your word this morning. We pray that the word of God will continue to have free course. We pray you will minister knowledge and understanding into your sheep. And Father, as your sheep, we pray that we receive your word and we apply this word in our everyday life. We bind the enemy right now. We'll try to distract or cause us to miss out on what the Holy Spirit has for us this morning. We thank God for your word. You have prepared it for us. You have prepared a table before us, and we receive that table right now, God. We want knowledge and understanding. We want the letter that you wrote unto the church here at Overcome. Christian Center. And we pray, Father, that we'll receive it and we'll put it into action. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. I want you to notice in verse 37, then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice. I want you to notice as they were coming in, now coming into town, that they began to rejoice with, uh, excuse me, with a loud voice. Why were they rejoicing? For all the mighty works they had seen. Isn't that powerful to know that they had were rejoicing, but they had a reason to rejoice. They had seen mighty works. And this is what I want you to understand. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. And so once you see it, oh, okay, okay, God did this right here. And once you know he did it, continue to give him glory, honor, and praise. And based on that, the disciples were determined to praise him. To be determined means to make a firm decision to do a particular thing. To be determined means to be resolved not to change. And see, a determined person is someone who is extremely motivated and focused on what they have to achieve. They're not easily distracted or become off, taken off course. Determination is synonymous with being decisive, purposeful, single-minded, and steadfast. The antithesis of determination is uncertainty, doubt, hesitation, and reluctancy. A person who lacks determination tends to lack direction and a definite purpose. And when it comes to God and the things of God, we must be determined. Determined to pray and not faint. Determined to give, amen, expecting God to give back to us good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over shall men give into our bosom. Determined to seek understanding of God's written and revealed word, for he says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We must also be determined to praise God despite trials, trouble, and stressful situations. See, Jesus was determined to fulfill his mission on the earth. He is the ultimate example of someone who is or was determined. 
And to be Christ-minded, we must continue to grow in our determination as well, depending on God, that we can get, we can continue to give him praise, continue to give him honor, and continue to give him glory. Because the enemy will try to stop you or distract you from giving God glory, honor, and praise. And see, praise has to do with being intentional efforts to celebrate Jesus publicly as well as privately. See, praise is an expression of admiration, respect, and honor. It is a matter in which we tell Jesus, thank you, Lord. And I don't know about you, but I've been thanking God, amen, for a long time now. I've been thanking God because many times I get what I do not deserve, at least in my mind anyway. I say, God, you know, you're so good to me. I appreciate you so much, God. You have been better to me than I deserve. Father, you put a roof over my head. You put food in my stomach. Amen. You got transportation to and fro. God, you give me peace that passes all understanding. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Should have been dead, but I'm here right now. I tell you, God has been good to me. Thank you for your goodness, God. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for your mercy. That's one of my uh, favorite prayers is thanking God for his grace and his mercy. I thank God that, thank God for coming to seek and to save that which was lost according to Luke 19 and verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Thank you, Jesus, for not giving up on me when I strayed away and didn't even make an effort to know you. And, I, and I've been guilty to that. I didn't even make an effort to know Jesus. Didn't even make an effort, amen, to give him glory. Didn't even make an effort. I mean, Jesus would come to me and say, hey, God, hey, son, you know you need to get saved. And I'm like, I got time. You know, I got other stuff I need to do. And I don't need to be in a situation where I don't, e don't even give God the glory. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me unconditionally, even when I didn't love you or even love myself. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus, I become even more determined to praise him despite what I am dealing with. That's why the psalmist reminds us in Psalms 34 that praise must be an ongoing thought process as well as an action in our lives. See, praise must be frequently and continuously, continuously in our mouths. Praising Jesus must become second nature to us to the point that it becomes a part of our lifestyle as we live our everyday life. Let's go to Psalms 34 in verse 1. The book of Psalms 34 and verse 1. I know this is a familiar passage of scripture, but I believe it's one that really speaks to what we're, what we're talking about here today. Psalms 34 and 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. I will salute God. I will adore the Lord at all times. All times. That means that I don't take a break from saluting and adoring the Lord. Things may get rough, but I still salute the Lord. Things may be good, but I still adore the Lord. I may be going through, but I still bless the Lord at all times. All times. I don't take a break because of some, somebody tells me. I don't take a break because of what I'm dealing with. His praise. What, what kind of praise? I'm telling him, thank you for everything you're doing for me. Thank you, God. Not because I'm thanking him for the bad things. I'm thanking him because I know that all things are working together for my good. I thank him because even when I'm going through a rough trial, I know God has a word to get me out. You know God has a way to deliver you out of every circumstance and situation that comes your way. Somebody should testify to the fact that God got you out, amen, time and time again, hallelujah. And we give God glory for that. We give God glory for that. And we also thank him for the attributes that he's done in our lives. See, his praise shall continually, frequently, and regularly be in my mouth. That should be, out of my mouth should be 
uh, words of thanksgiving, words of saying, saying hallelujah, words of saying thank you for your grace and your mercy. Nobody should have to pump me up or tell me, hey, you know, you need to praise God. That's a sign of immaturity right there. That's my need to grow up in God, realizing that God continues to load us daily with benefits. In order to, uh, for praise to be continually in my mouth, I must be determined. I must be determined. See, determined means I make a firm decision to praise Jesus. To be determined means to be resolved not to change regardless of what it looks like, feels like, or sounds like. Let me say that to you again. I'm not going to change my praise for God. D depends, uh, no matter what it looks like, feels like, or sounds like. I must be extremely motivated and focused on praising our Jesus, praising him for his healing power, praising him for his delivering power, praising him for his restoring power, praising him for his unconditional love, praising him for his favor, praising him for his miraculous works in my life and the life of others. You know, I've seen too much to say that God's not good to me. I've seen God work in your life so much that I know this is God is good, ain't he? But you see where he worked in that sister's life right there. Do you see the way he worked in that brother's life right there? Boy, that's a good God, ain't it? And I know I, I can I thank God for what he done in my life, but I'm really excited about what he's doing in your life as well. No, because I know if God do it for you, I'm right around the corner. <laughs> glory be to God. In order for praise or giving God the glory of the things he has done, I must, be intention I must make an intentional decision to bless the Lord and celebrate him at all times. And it takes something that I, that I do this daily to continue to grow and mature in my praise. In order for me to be a born-again believer who is constantly giving God praise, it requires a christ minded mindset. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So I need to allow or permit the mind, the consciousness, or the way of thinking of Christ be in me. I need to allow it to be in me. I need to permit it to be in me. I have to allow and permit this mindset to develop and operate me on, operate in me on a daily basis. For some of us, it may be new. For others, we may start out with a praise, but situations and circumstance may cause us to begin to focus on other things, people, work, relationships, and so forth. In other words, some situations come to break our praise. Not to give a praise break, but to break our praise. See, break means to interrupt or disturb my praise. See, as a determined person, I have to watch for things and people who try to break my praise. A spiritually minded, mature Christian believer will take on the mind of Christ and be ready to praise and worship God at all times and in spirit and in truth. And they don't allow the enemy to break their praise. They don't allow news to break their praise. They don't let good or bad news break their praise. They don't let people on the job break their praise. They don't let individuals, family members break their praise. So in other words, they can have a mindset that I'm going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Let's go to John chapter 4 and verse 24. John chapter 4 and verse 24. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God is a spirit, and those who worship him, who reference him, who respect him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit, my divine nature, divine nature, power by which we decide, and truth, a mind free from pretense or deceit. What is true under any circumstance or situation? See, G John tells us that God is a spirit. And as worshipers, we must worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, we're to worship God as we're developing our Christ-minded mindset. 
See, I don't expect for people who have been saved, just got saved, to be on the same level as some people who have been saved for years. But I do expect for all of us to continue to grow in our worship of Jesus. I expect all of us to continue to develop a Christ-minded mindset when it comes to our worship. And see, God is seeking true worshipers. If he's seeking true worshipers, then that means that some people are not going to be found as true worshipers. See, those who worship with, what, with that divine nature that abides in us, the Holy Spirit, is teaching us how to worship Jesus. He is the best teacher when it comes to worshiping Jesus because you'll learn how to worship Jesus Monday through Sunday and Sunday through Monday. Why? Because every, every day you'll find a reason to give God glory and God will show you you're more blessed than what you think you are. I know you're going through, but you're more blessed than what you think you are. Let me give you a little side note right here. Something I was thinking about as I was meditating on this message here. And we just finished talking about the children of Israel. One of the blessings I saw in that particular text, that even when you're going through, God is still keeping you. Mm -mm -mm. Boy, that's a good place to get happy right there. Because when you're going through the roughest trials of your life, it seems like God still has some type of protection upon your life. I mean, some of us can recognize the fact that we went through some horrendous trials, but even going through the, them horrendous trials, God kept us while we went through. Mm. Mine didn't want to have it right, but God still kept us while we went through. Oh, we didn't even want to talk or just want to sit in the room and shut all the blinds and close all the doors, but God kept us while we went through that situation. God knows how to keep us, y'all. And he is a keeper, y'all. He is a keeper. God will keep you sometimes even when you don't want to be kept. God will keep you despite you doing your own thing. God will keep you. He is a keeper. Now, go back to John 4 and 24. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. As someone who is determined to praise God, I believe that we will be determined to walk in, speak in, and operate in truth. Why? Because our worship to God must be in truth. Whatever is in us will eventually come out of us. If truth is in us, it will eventually come up out of us. And our lifestyle will be that of praise and will be that of worship. See, uh, we worship in spirit and truth. That comes out in our normal conversation. When we're talking, it should be a part of our being. See, no one should have to tell me that I'm happy. Tell me that I'm happy. You should be able to tell it by my actions and my conversations. Same with worship. It should come out in the way we think, the way we talk, and the way we conduct our lives. That, that somebody should be able to look at us and say, hey, that person loves God. That person is saved. I don't know. There's something different about that person. If they look at you and they hang around you for a little while and they think you're the same as everybody else, something must be wrong with that picture. It should be a part of your being that God's praise and worship becomes a part of your lifestyle. It's, if the only time people think you're worshiping God in spirit and in truth is when you lift your hand and say hallelujah, then you need to mature in worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth. Let me say that to you again. If the only time people think you worship in Jesus in spirit and in truth is when you lift your hands and say hallelujah, something's wrong with your worship. Something wrong with it. You got to mature and grow up in your worship. You should be able to go in the store, amen, and people say, hey, that person different than everybody else shopping out here. They don't seem to have a care in the world. Why? Because I cast my cares upon him for he cared for me. Oh, we go to the doctor's office. You shouldn't be going there worrying what the doctor going to say. Why? Because see, I know God is still a healer no matter what the doctors say. Amen. When you look at your, go to the bank, you shouldn't get mad with the, amen, with the bank. You say, hey, God's still going to supply my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why? You are different. You're different. That's part of your worship. That's part of your praise. No one should have to tell you to do that. It should be a part of who you are. 
a part of who you are. It must become who we are and how we live. It must become our lifestyle. We must worship Jesus in our devotion time. We worship him in our prayer time. We can praise and worship Jesus and how we conduct his business with reverence and respect, realizing that we represent him to others. And every time we gain knowledge and understanding of God's written and revealed word, whether in on Sunday morning service, Bible study, studying sermon notes, listen to the podcast, listen to the videos, and so forth, we should get a greater understanding of who Jesus is and a greater appreciation of his mighty works in my life. I have to keep allowing his word to dwell in me. That's why Paul told the church at Colossus that they must allow the word of Christ to dwell in them richly. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Notice the first part. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let is the same word we get from Philippians 2 and 5. We got to permit or allow the word of Christ to dwell, to influence us for good. See, if it dwells, it should be able to influence you to obey his word. If you let it dwell, dwell in you what? Richly, abundantly. See, I don't need for it to be poor in me. I need for God to be great in me. You know, we talk about in 1 John 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But you got to make God great before he's great in you. Are y'all seeing this? And notice what he says in the latter part of, of, of excuse me, Colossians 3 and 16. And all wisdom, wisdom is supreme intelligence as belongs to God. This is not just anybody's intelligence. This is God's intelligence. It, and then it says this, teaching and admonishing or warning one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So you must allow God's word to influence us, teach us by explaining various subjects to us about life and living the abundant life. You remember why Jesus came? Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. We must allow God's word to dwell in us to the point that we can admonish, instruct, and walk and warn each other in psalms, sacred songs, hymns, and spiritual songs with grace in our hearts to the Lord. We must be rich in God's words, which means every opportunity I can come and hear his word, I'm making my way. I may be tired, but I'm making my way. I may have slept late or overslept, but I'm making my way. I may have to move some things around, but I'm making my way. And when I get into his house, I'm determined to come with a heart of thanksgiving and a mindset of worship, and ready to receive what thus saith the Lord. Because I know that this is what's going to help me in my walk with Christ. And this is allowing the word of Christ to become rich in me. I don't want to be poor in the word. Some people are rich in, in, in entertainment news, sports news, and gossip news, housewives or whoever news. But are you rich in the word of God? Are you rich in the promises of God? They're rich in people's gossip, but are they rich in what thus saith the Lord? Are they rich in the word of God? They know family gossip, but do they knew, know what thus saith the Lord? We got to be rich in his word. Got to be rich in this word. And when I get to the house of God, I'm determined to come with a heart of thanksgiving and a mindset of worship, and I want to receive what thus saith the Lord. Understand the value to come into his house with a determined spirit to magnify Jesus, to celebrate him in praise and worship, to bless his holy name. And the beauty and benefit of a daily praise that allows me to be ready on Sundays and midweek service. And see, Sunday and midweek service are, is just an extension of my daily praise. Oh, I thank, I thank God. Who shut ta See, it's nothing for me to come in on a Sunday morning and give God glory because I've been doing it all week long. Thank y'all for four amens. Praising them going down the road. Lord, thank you, God. Don't, no car hit me. Thank God I didn't hit no car. Thank God I didn't fall asleep riding on the road. Thank God when I was trying to turn, hit my YouTube video, 
Thank y'all. Pray, pray my strength under the Lord. I know we're supposed to look, look at our phone, y'all, but, but trying to get my video to play, and all of a sudden the ad come up, and I get mad, and the ad take about five, ten seconds to go off, and then I can say, God, come on, ad, get off this home. Okay, I'm sorry, y'all, getting a little bit excited, but God, keep me while I ride down the road. God, keep me while I ride down the road. And you need to understand God is keeping you, keeping you. Sometimes it ain't you. It's the person in the other vehicle, riding down the road, playing with their phone, trying to do this, that, and the other. I remember I was riding the other day, and we got stopped at a stoplight. I stopped like, yeah, at traffic light. And all of a sudden, that person just kept sitting there and kept sitting there, and I knew they was on the phone. And I said, Lord, do I blow my horn? Or do I keep the right? Do I keep, don't say nothing. Do I blow my horn? Do I blow my horn? And I, I, I know I got saved now. I didn't blow my horn. I know some of y'all shocked to buy that because this time last year, I've been, whoop! <laughs> Come on now. I know you're looking at your phone. Let go. So I'm trying something new for 2023. Let's see how that work out for me. Hallelujah. So that's why the disciples, you see why the disciples broke out in praise in our text today. Let's pick up first of all. Let's, let's go into it. Luke 19, verse starting at verse 20. It starts 28. Luke 19 will start at verse 28. When he said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Now, this is Jesus. He's coming into Jerusalem. Think about this for a moment. Jesus and disciples, they've been doing stuff. Now he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. Now, Jesus knows that this is the week leading up to his crucifixion. He knows this. The disciples don't know, but he knows it. Now he's getting ready to go into Jerusalem. He's getting ready to get, I mean, he's getting ready to go through. But before he does this, he's getting ready to go into the city. Let me go back to 28 and we'll start there. When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mountain called Olivet, then he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a coat tied, excuse, a coat tied, on which no one has ever said, Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosening it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. I want you to notice something about that. He knew a coat was tied up. At a certain place. If God knows where a coat is tied up at, he knows where you at too. And he knows if you tied up in something too, then you ain't got no business to being tied up in. He knows, listen, if he knows where a coat at, you know he knows if you tied up in a job, a relationship. I mean, uh, you, he knows if you tied up, y'all. He knows. I mean, think about it. He knew exactly what that coat was. He knew who had it, and he actually he knew who owned it. He told him exactly where to go in order to get it. Now, I said, if God know that about a coat, I know he knows that about OCC. I know he knows what kind of debt you're in right now. He knows what kind of what you're being challenged in your body with right now. Not on your body, but in your mind, he knows exactly where you're at right now. Because he knew that the coat was tied up. Woo, you ain't never been tied up before, and you want somebody to come get you out. I ain't talking about tied up naturally. I'm talking about tied up spiritually. Tied up in something in your mind that you can't get loose from. And God says, I know exactly where you at. Mm. Woo, somebody lift a hand and say, I, I thank God he know where I'm at. He know where I'm at, boy. He knows where I'm at. All right, let, let, let me get out of that because I feel, I feel something happening right there. 32, so those who went who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. But as they were loosing the coat, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the coat and they set Jesus on them. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Jesus coming into Jerusalem. As he's coming, into town, he sent two of his disciples with specific detailed instructions. And when we're given specific detailed instructions, we must be attentive listeners and eager to carry out those instructions. 
If the disciples decide to have a selective hearing or do what they wanted to do, they will miss out on the details of what God had told them to do. How many of us know that details matter? Jesus told the disciples or his followers or his learners to go into the village and retrieve a coat that the Lord has specifically had waiting for him. It, and this coat has no one ever sit on the coat. The disciples heard it and they obeyed it. Even though the owner of the coat questioned them, Jesus already told them specifically what to say. But as, as they were loosening the coat, the owner, owner of it said to them, why are you loosening the coat? And they said, the Lord has need of him. You know, that's kind of amazing because even, even after he said that, the owner of the coat let the coat go. I mean, think about this. If he didn't know who the Lord was, that might be a different story. If he went there talking about uh, Peter needs your coat, I mean, Peter needs your coat. I don't know no Peter. <laughs> I mean, think about this. I mean, this is powerful to me. This little bit right here. You might as well pass it out there. It's powerful to me. Well, think about this. Your car out there, and somebody say, hey, JoJo needs your car. And you're like, well, I don't know no JoJo. Who, who, who Jojo? <laughs> but if you somebody come out there and say, hey, someone, somebody you know needs your car. You're like, okay, I know that person. I might, you know, you might live, leave people you know. I <laughs> But the Lord had need of you, so they let it go. Why? Because they follow the instructions. Now, all four of the Gospels record this event. We know that we are celebrating, for those who don't know, what we call Palm Sunday, P-A-M P-A-L-M, Sunday, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And see, Palm Sur Sunday serves as a reminder of a day when the multitudes gathered together to feast or to celebrate when they heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Now, where did they get Palm Sunday from? I'm glad you asked me the question. Go to John chapter 12, verse 12 and 13. John chapter 12, verse 12 and verse 13. This is, again, the same event just recorded by John. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, when they heard that our Savior was coming into Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out. So they went out to greet him, and they cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Hosanna. This is an exclamation of adoration. So this, they had gotten the palm trees. So you see here in the text, we got palm trees and we got clothes. And Jesus sitting on top of the coat. And now, if I, just give me a second here. Jesus sitting on top, if, imagine me on the coat, imagine me sitting up here on the coat, and then if somebody throws down palm trees and clothes, and now Jesus riding into Jerusalem. This was his last time riding in. This was approximately one week before he would be crucified. This is where we get Palm Sunday from. And so this is a time where we're talking about where Jesus was riding in on a coat, never been ridden on before. They threw down the clothes, and also they threw down the palm branches. And he rode in on that, and they began to claim, or proclaim, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, Zechariah in the Old Testament prophesied about this moment. This was to fulfill the prophecies which was recorded in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. See, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 reads as follows. Rejoice. Rejoice. Greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So now we see that Zechariah had prophesied this long time ago. And now we see it coming to pass. 
Many times you read about prophecies in the Old Testament, and most, I'll be honest with you, over half, most of them have came to pass. And this is another example of a prophecy coming to pass. And this is Jesus riding in on a colt. Notice how Zechariah describes Jesus. He is just and he's lowly. He's just in his conduct and his character. He's lowly. He's humble and he is meek. He also speaks of what we will come to know as salvation. He is our deliverer, our protector, and he is our prosperity. Now, let's go back to Luke 19 and 37. Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a cope that has ne never been ridden on before or set on by anyone. The disciples had placed their clothes on the cope to perhaps make it more comfortable for Jesus. The people are putting their clothes and palm branches in front of him as he enters Jerusalem. The atmosphere for reference and respect is set. Royalty is in the midst. And then verse 37 takes place. 37 takes place. Notice what happens in 37. Then as he would now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples, these are his followers, these are his pupils, began to rejoice. They began to get salute him. They began to get glad. And then they began to praise, honor, give, glorify enthusiastically God with a loud Boys, why did they do that? They began to think about all the mighty works, or mighty miracles, or the mighty works they had seen, they had experienced, they had perceived. So as Jesus is going in with his disciples, the disciples begin to think about, oh my God, I remember all the miracles God done. Remember they said here, these are things they had seen. Remember what I said earlier, once you see it, you can't unsee it. And he, they had thought about, and it came to their mind again, everything, or not everything, but the miracles, some of the mighty works that our Jesus had done. Let's look at some of the mighty miracles he's done. Let's look at some of them. Let's go to Matthew 8, 23 through 27. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 through 27. Now, remember now, Jesus had already done these miracles. They had already seen it. But I'm, I'm, let's go back and look at some of the things that could have came across their mind. Now, now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you, a little, o you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Woo-wee. Boy, can you imagine, boy, you go uh, about to perish on a boat? And Jesus will sleep, and he wakes up and say, hey, peace, be still. And the storm calms down. I don't know about you, but I see something like that. I'm going to be, whoo, how can I unsee something like that? Whoo, I'm like, God, boy, you're going to calm the sea. Here, I'm thinking about, I got, I got a problem. You're going to calm the sea. You don't told the wind to peace, be still. Whoo, good God almighty. Here, I'm getting upset about a light bill, $22. God has calmed the sea. Calmed the sea. So you see why they start praising God then? They thought about what God has done. Let's look at another example. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15 through 21. Matthew chapter 14, verse 15 through 21. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. 
and they said, you have only five loaves and two fish. How you going to feed all these folks? You ain't got nothing but a two-piece big chicken. You got 5,000 people up in here. I'm sorry, not a two-piece big chicken. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Whew, I'm sorry. I got caught up in the moment. Stay with me, y'all. Stay with me. Whew, let's get back to 20. I'm mean, back to then. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and he took five loaves and two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples, and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Boy, you can't see something like that. Can you imagine reaching inside that fish basket and thinking, I'm going to run out? I know I ain't got but five loaves and two fish. Why am I keep feeding all these folks? Why does that thing keep on coming out? See, why, they kept on pulling that out the basket, kept feeding the folks, and they kept feeding the folks, and they kept feeding the folks. And when it was done, they had fed 5,000 plus the women and the children. Ooh Here I am concerned about how I'm going to get gas next week. <laughs> Do you know you can reach in your account and God can keep pulling out and keep pulling out and keep pulling out? You know God is able to do that, don't you? Just if God did it once, he can do it again. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. God can still meet every need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He can do it. He can do it. And he's still doing it. Then I'll give you another miracle. Remember now, they're thinking about what he's done. Thinking about what he's done. Let's go to Matthew 20, 30 through 34. Matthew 20, 30 through 34. Jesus healed the blind man. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So Jesus stood still and, call, call, and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? Then they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. See, now they saw them, God healed the blind man. All these things God has done time and time again. He has did it time and time again. This is just a few of the miracles. No, the Bible tells us that really you couldn't even write. There'd be, it'd be too big of a book if you put everything in it that God had done through that time. And we just got some of the nuggets that God released to us and shared with us while he was on the earth. And so now uh, the disciples are thinking about this. Hey, man, God did some miracles. I can imagine Peter got happy when he thought about when Jesus healed his mother-in-law. But you know what I really get happy about? is when I think about what God has done in our lives. Ooh-wee. You remember the time God healed your body? You remember that time you laying in bed, you thought you would never get out of bed? And I mean, you remember that time you had that headache? You're like, oh, God, this headache will never go. You can't even remember when the hell it was now. I mean, you remember that time that God, hey amen, you, you know how you're going to pay that bill, but the next thing you know, it will pay, and then you had some extra money laid, left over, and you went and got something to eat. Do you remember when God did this for you and that for you? And this is the thing. You can't forget what God done for you. Now, you can tr the enemy will try to distract you and tell you, hey, God's not doing anything for you. You know how the enemy does. He'll try to get you to think that he, he did nothing for you. But God is a God of more than enough. You know, he the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. The same God that did it for the disciples. The same God that did it for people, amen, that they ministered to on the street. He's the same God that can work today. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, God can deal and do the same thing today. Today. I'm talking about today. Somebody say today. He's the same. No, we talked about other way. Psalms 46 and 1. He is a present help in the time of need. He'll help. He's helping us right now. He's helping us right now. You say, God, well, how God going to do it? I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. See, I don't have to know how. I just have to believe he's going to do it. See, sometimes we get caught up in the method of God when you need to be caught up in the God who does it. See, some people get caught up in what God has created and more than 
the creator. You got to love the creator. You got to love Jesus, y'all. You got to thank God because God can do stuff a number of different ways, y'all. You know, God got a bunch of ways to deliver you. You know, God got thousands of ways to prosper you. You know, God got a bunch of ways. Anybody, how many of you got a check in the mail you wouldn't expect before? Look around the sanctuary. I mean, you wouldn't expect, oh, God, thank you for that check. You, hey, listen, did you go back and say, well, I, I can't take this check right now. I'm, I'm sorry. No, you say, Lord, thank you. You paid your tithes, you gave a good offer, and you moved on. Because, you know, that's God blessing you. You barely read the explanation they had in the, in, the, in the mail. You're like, okay, all right, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. All right, good. Bang, that's all I need. Though. Boom, boom, there it is. They had four lines, and you read one. Okay, that's my check. Let me move on. And this is what we got to understand. Oh, Lord, let me finish this up. God can, is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He'll do it, and he'll do it again. And now, let me go a little further here in Luke 19, 38. It says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. He says, blessed, praise is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace, harmony, and prosperity in heaven and glory in the highest. See, these were disciples who were determined to praise God. Now, they got this, and where did they get this from? Psalms 118 and verse 26. Psalms 118 and verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we have blessed you from the house of the Lord. Notice how they use the word in their worship of Jesus. We should follow that pattern. They blessed him from the house of the Lord, as we know it to be the church. They follow this pattern. We should also follow this pattern as well. But notice in Luke 19, 39, and some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke your disciples. Admonish your disciples, your learners, your followers. See, some of the Pharisees wanted Jesus to rebuke or correct his disciples for their passionate praise. Oh, why are you praising God out here in the middle of this street? Mm, don't sound like folks today, don't it? Let me tell you something. Boy, folks don't want you to praise God out there openly. I'm just put out on the street. They don't want you to praise God openly. And I respect certain things, but you know, some things, hey, mm, mm, mm. Once we experience a life-changing power by Satan, Jesus can't allow people, friends, situations, take away that experience from us. See, this is what you got to know about God. Psalm 68, 19. Psalm 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily, every 24 hours, he loads us with benefits. What's load mean? Put a large amount of something or something in something? He, I'm talking about a large amount. Everybody say large amount. Don't you ever think God give you something small? It's a large amount. Every 24 hours, he loads you with benefits. Now, that's what the words say. What does daily mean? 24 hours. Every 24 hours, he loaded me down. Now, this is what you need to know. The enemy is going to try to deceive you because he can't stop God from doing it. Y'all know that, right? He can't stop God from loading you down 24 hours a day. He can't, I mean, he can't stop it. I mean, if God's having to download at 11.32, 11.26 on a Sunday morning, boom, there it is. He can't stop it. He can't stop it. He can't stop it. There's no way in the world God can, excuse me, the enemy can stop God from blessing you. If he said, that's why I love Psalm 68, 19. He loaded me daily with benefits. That means in a 24-hour period, I'm expecting something else. Wake up in the morning, I'm blessed. Woo! Going to bed, I'm blessed. Woo! I went and got gas the other day, I'm blessed. You know what? Because what? It paid, it went through. I'm blessed. I went to the store, got me something to eat, I'm blessed. I didn't have to cook it, I'm blessed. It's blessed. I mean, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But he loaned me daily with benefits. But see, the, the strategy of the enemy is this if I can't stop, Psalm 68 and 19 from happening, I'm going to try to do these things. I, I list three things real briefly. The enemy will try to deceive you that it came from someone or something other than God. He'll try to deceive you and tell you it came from someone or something other than God. Another strategy of the enemy is this. 
He have you so distracted with life that we don't even recognize how much God is doing for us. He have you so distracted with problems, with people, with family, with jobs, with whatever, and he be so distracted, you don't even recognize that God downloaded another benefit into your life. Because you're so distracted. So distracted. So distracted. And the third strategy of the enemy is this. You take the benefits for granted. You take the benefits for granted. I don't want us to be a church that miss out on God loading us daily with benefits by being distracted by so much stuff that don't even matter. Every day, God, God's loading us daily with benefits. Every day. Every day. My job, part of my job is to teach you to recognize it, but after you get on that track, there's not a day God has missed. Can I announce that to you? There's not a day God has missed in your life. When you become born again, that's a promise for you. All the promises for God are yes and amen. His word shall not return back to him void, but it shall accomplish everything he sent out to do. Now, if you go a whole day and say, one, God ain't did nothing for me all day, you just lied. Either the word right or you wrong. Somebody going to be wrong in the situation. I believe the word. The word says he loaded us daily with benefits. And he's not a man that he should lie. That what that mean? Man lie. God every day load us with benefits. So when he loads with benefits, I should be praising God. I need to be determined to say thank you, Jesus. I, even before I eat my food, thank you, Jesus. Get, get in my vehicle, thank you, Lord. Woo, wake up, thank you, Jesus. Can get up out the bed. Thank you, Jesus. Can see. Thank you, Jesus. Can talk. Thank you, Jesus. Can love. Thank you, Jesus. Can whatever. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it is, we got to be determined. Determined. Determined to praise him. Because the enemy will try to take you away from what God is doing in your life. But I know there's some people in this sanctuary, some believers in this sanctuary, you are determined to praise God despite what the enemy throws you away. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's message. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your prayer requests and testimonies to our website at occvr.org. That's occvr.org. We would like to invite you to partner with us as we share the gospel all around the world. Just go to our website at occvr.org. Click on the Give button to give online. Or you can utilize text to give Text GIVE to the number 770-692-2225. That's 770-692-2225. Join us on our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast, and connect with us on social media. We also invite you to join us in a live service. We're located at 3097 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia. Visit our website for more details at occvr.org. Until next time, remember, without a vision, the people perish. See you next time for more Heaven Bound with Pastor Richard D. Dobbs of Overcomers Christian Center in Villarica, Georgia.